If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest happenings in BC. From breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look, the Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. We start with the continuing rollout of the new federal dental program. Now, we're getting new details now from the Justin Trudeau government. This is a $13 billion program. Some people think it will it cost more than that. Means-tested program here. Who is covered under this plan? Who is eligible? We'll talk about all that. i got Dr. Heather Carr standing by, President, Canadian Dental Association. Let's have a listen to Justin Trudeau here. Here's the Prime Minister. The Canadian Dental Care Plan will provide dental coverage for uninsured Canadians with family incomes under $90,000 a year. And if you or your family makes under $70,000 a year, costs will be fully covered. The plan will begin to roll out by the end of 2023 and once fully implemented will help up to 9 million Canadians afford to see a dentist. All right, the plan starting to roll out now. Let's discuss it with my guest, Dr. Heather Carr, president of the Canadian Dental Association. I'm very pleased to welcome her. Dr. Carr, thank you for coming on. We got her okay? I'm happy to be oh, on. I was just about to say good afternoon. <laughs> and I'm uh, actually in Melbourne, so it's good morning to you. Good morning to us here on the West Coast. I, pr I certainly appreciate your time here today. Yes. What, do, what do you think of this program here? What does the Canadian Dental Association think about this program? You support it? Well, the Canadian Dental Association has been advocating for care for these populations for well, more years than I've probably been uh, around. You know, we have populations like 35% to a third of Canadians, including persons with disabilities, seniors over 65, and low income who just don't have access to care. So anything that's going to get these individuals dental treatment is a positive. Okay, and I've just noticed that the rollout here, the first one of the first eligible cohorts, you have to be 87 87 years old. My goodness. I mean, that's even, that's well above the life expectancy average in Canada. So, you know, what do you think of that? I mean, boy, a lot of people by age 87, do you even have any teeth left? Well, you would be surprised. Actually, a colleague of mine um, said that 80 is the new 60. And uh, truthfully, <laughs> I've been a practicing dentist for 35 years. That was a significant number of, uh, patients who are in their 80s and even early 90s who still have most or all their teeth. I do yeah. honestly believe that the 87 and plus age group was is more of an organizational. In other words, you know, by the time you get to, um, I believe it's April, every senior over 65 will have had the opportunity to, to enroll. And then by May, it'll include persons with disabilities and children up to 18 and low income. So I suspect it's just so the government has a, you know, gradual um, rollout of their plan. That's, yeah. I, I'm not government. That would be why I think that they're doing it this way. 
Yeah, they're fa- they're phasing it in, and the other age cohorts will come on stream later. Speaking to Dr. Heather Carr, Canadian Dental Association, talking about the new federal dental plan. Will so we start with the take a look at the eligibility now, and we also what about the um, are you allowed to keep your own dentist? Like, you, do you get to choose your own dentist, or does the, would the government choose the dentist for you? No, I, well, it from our indications from the announcement I was at the other day in Ottawa. That's been a big concern. And yes, you should be able to keep your own dentist. However, uh, there's a lot of details that are still being discussed between the provincial and territorial dental associations and the government. So there are some things that need to be smoothed out before we get dentists enrolled and underway. Yeah. What are some of the major unanswered questions here that are top of mind for you right now? Well, you just you stated one. You know, we want people to be able to go to their existing offices and to be able to choose their own dentist. We want to make sure that the, you know, the care's got to be patient-centered. You know, it's got to be um, prevention-based. We want, we don't want to be treating problems. We want to see prevention included. And, you know, one big concern, and I know the provincial and territorial associations have been talking about, is the administrative burden. You know, like, I'm I'm sure out in the West, it's the same as in uh, Nova Scotia. There's shortages of experienced and skilled staff. And if we have a plan that comes in with a lot of red tape and it takes a lot of time and it's not simple to administer, that means the patients are going to have a hard time getting care. Something, well, let's say it's something simple to say you live a long distance away or you have a disability and it's hard for you to get there. Then if mm. we can't treat you the day you're in and have to wait for approval, then that's not a great uh, system. And you just want to make sure that the full cost of treatment is covered whenever possible. Yeah, another concern that I've heard about for your thoughts is that the eligibility requirements include that it, this is aimed at people who do not already have dental coverage through their employer. So a lot of people are covered for dental under the, under their work benefits. Is there any concern or fear that employers could start scaling back their ven- ben- dental benefits for their workers or even cancel them? now that the government's kind of moving in here to take over. So maybe employers will say, well, we don't have to offer this to our employees anymore. That has been a concern of the Canadian Dental Association and our provincial and territorial counterparts from day one. You know, it, we, we have 65% of Canadians, two-thirds, who get really great dental care. And the reason they get really great dental care is in many parts, it's because they have employer-sponsored plans or they're able to self-fund. So if this happens, that we'll start with employers. If the employers decide, you know, it's tough times, they may think, well, that's a line item I can drop. So you get a couple of concerns. Will will the patient have as good a plan as they had under that, you know, employee plan? The other concern is if you go from, I think I we have estimates that the government's trying to reach almost 9 million Canadians. And some calculations that we've done is if employers start dropping their plans, then you could end up with almost 17 million Canadians on this plan. So is that going to be sustainable? And it's going Mm -hmm. to cost the government a lot more than they have budgeted. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I was wondering about, too, is $13 billion estimated price tag here. I don't know. I mean, that to me sounds like a bit of a lowball estimate. Could it be more than that, do you think? Well, it it depends on how this, you know, displacement risk is handled, because you also have the concern that, uh, say, some provincial governments have some great plans, others don't, and you don't want to have 
um, the governments uh, provincially give up their plans. Once again, more money for the government to have to cover. And, you know, mm-hmm. honestly, I will say that this is a monumental investment. I'll give credit where it's due. They, When they first came out, they said $5 billion, and the Dental Association knew immediately that that was not going to be enough funding. However, when, you know, they get up to $13 billion, they can do some good work with that, but they've got to do it right. Speaking of Dr. Heather Carr, Canadian Dental Association, do you have any concerns that, given the political climate in the country right now, you've got Pierre Polyev and the Conservatives here leading the polls, and I don't know, it looks like he could become the next Prime Minister. I've listened carefully to his his uh, comments on this program, and Man, you try to pin him down on whether a conservative government would keep this program going. It's like trying to pin Jello to the wall. He's ducking and dodging all over the place. Are, are you are you concerned that a future government could scrap this whole thing? It is a possibility, and and I'm you know I can't predict the future. What I would hope is that if with the discussions with the dental associations go well over the next couple months, and we get this plan underway, and it's really helping the Canadians who need care, that it would be very difficult for a future government to stop the plan. However, since I'm a dentist and a not a not a politician, I yeah. I can only hope that common sense would prevail. Thank you very much for coming on today with your thoughts on this. I appreciate it. I was really happy to be here. Anytime you have any questions, we'll do our best to help you out. Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist. A confidence boost before your interview. Or a last minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Let's talk to the young Vancouver couple now expecting their first baby, also expecting a a rent hike from their landlord. Antoine Moore and Joy Maynard are my guests, and I'm very pleased to welcome both of them. Hey, guys, thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you both for doing this. And, and first of all, congratulations to you both. Very happy news. And Joy, let me go to you first. When are you due here? It's pretty soon, right? Yeah, I'm due January the 3rd. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah, that's 40 weeks. So honestly, any day now. Any day. <laughs> okay, hopefully not during this uh, interview here. Um hopefully. Yeah. Well, that's very happy. You're a Christmas baby on the way here. I think that's that's very wonderful. So, so uh, Joy, let's talk yeah. about um, uh, how long have you lived in your place? So you're renting like a basement suite in Vancouver, correct? Correct. Um, I lived here since April 2021, so like two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and Antoine, tell me about how much do you guys pay in rent right now? Uh, we pay about 1500 1400 yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. Okay, well, that's pretty. That's pretty good. You know, that's that's not yeah. bad in in this market. So let's talk now about about the rent hike. So Antoine, 
lead me through this here. What happened? What did your landlord tell you guys? Uh, basically, like we told him we were expecting a, a baby uh, soon. And he said, well, uh, basically, your contract says uh, it's 600 additional dollars for each person that comes. So he automatically just said, well, it is in the contract. And that is what you will have to pay from now on. An additional $600 a month. And that is for what? what that is for the baby's, the baby's share of the rent? That is the baby's share of the rent. Um, <laughs> oh, man. When I, when I questioned it, because I, I was, you know, like very curious as to a whole 600. And he was like, yeah, you know, like they use laundry, they use amenities just like anyone else. And I, I was just blown away by it. Yeah. Joy, when you got that news there, what went through your mind? What did you think when you heard that? I mean, I... I, I was very shocked because, like, yes, we knew that our lease said 600 and yes, we knew that there would be an increase, but we didn't, like, put two and two together and think that the $600 was going to be for the baby because we were a 1,000% willing to pay additional because we knew that there were going to be expenses. But, like, I don't know, like, uh, $100, $200, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I think the percentage of the rent increased by like 43% or something like that, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge rent hike that you're facing now. Speaking to Antoine Moore, Joy Maynard, expecting their first baby here. And they are facing a $600 a month rent hike here for an additional occupant in in the suite. So Antoine, like, it, it sounds like, it sounds like the landlord's not breaking any rules here. Like this was in the lease, right? Like you guys signed a lease and, th and this is in the lease. Is that correct? If that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it says another $600, but you thought, what was going through your mind here? You thought, okay, if we have a baby, the $600 would not apply? Uh, well, we, we thought that it, it might be, you know, like uh, some way to work around or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we just expect that it would be $600 for a non-working person, you know, like a small addition to the, to the household because a baby is not a, a huge person or, or, you know, or anything. It just, it was just a bit like, you know, a, a little bit lost as to why is it so high? That's yeah. because the, the the addendum in our release is not 100% clear. Like the wording in it is not very, very clear. So that's why we didn't automatically assume $600 was going to be for a baby. We just assumed $600 was going to be for um, a working person. Like if we had a friend come and live with us kind a of thing. Or something. Oh, okay, like an adult. If you brought in like another roommate or an adult roommate or something. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And then it would then maybe then it would kick in. Okay, your your situation has got the attention of the provincial housing minister and he was asked about this the other day, Ravi Kalon. Let's listen to what he had to say here. Here's the BC housing minister on this situation here. This landlord just needs to give themselves a head shake. Condemned by the housing minister who gave a familiar response Monday. We're gonna be looking to make changes into the future. Uh, but in this instant, I, I urge the landlord to do the right thing. We are looking at changes uh, in the future to uh, address this challenge. Uh, but in this case, I certainly hope that the landlord uh, finds a way to accommodate this young family. Okay, that's the provincial housing minister there, Ravi Kalon, encouraging the, the landlord here to give his head a shake and 
maybe give this young couple a, a break. Uh, Antoine, have you tried have you tried talking this over with the landlord and, and ask him like, hey, can you give us a break here? What did try that? Uh, <laughs> well, we had more than one talking, but uh, nothing changed. He was very firm on the, what he said the first time. Uh, basically, doubled down on what he said. Uh, but we haven't we haven't spoken to him maybe for uh, about two weeks. Oh, okay, Joy. If can you guys afford this? Like another six hundred bucks? Like what would that do for your budget? I mean, if 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 our income was was steady, yes, we could have afforded it. But I'm a I am on maternity leave right now, and then at some point, Anton is have to um is having to go on paternity leave. So with this change it's going to be harder it's going to be a lot harder and more than likely Anton is have to go is going to have to go back to work sooner than I would like yeah yeah now if you were to what would happen if you didn't pay this extra six hundred dollars a month would the landlord uh evict you Antoine is that a concern yes so basically we were told if on the first of January if we don't give him the amount that he requested, then um, which is an additional $600 as well for, for Joy's mom, who is coming to help us out for a couple of weeks. He said, well, she's considered an occupant, so you have to give an additional $600 for her. So it's $1,200 extra oh, in for January. For, for January. And then after. And then afterwards, it would just be the $600 for the baby. Uh, so he told us, well, if we don't meet the, the full amount in January, then we will get a 10-day eviction notice on the 2nd of January. Oh, my goodness. This guy's playing hardball here. Holy <laughs> sm- holy smokes. Okay, Joy, if that happens, I, I, I sure hope that doesn't happen for you guys. Like, you know, this is such a difficult rental market here right now. Do you have any you have any concerns about that? I mean, difficult to find a, a place, I'm sure, that would be nice. It would be at the same rent, right? I mean, if we do, like, I think I have accepted that we might have to go to the the $600 increase. And yeah. if we do, I'm pretty sure that there are a lot, uh, a little bit nicer places on level with that, which I don't mind. What I mind is the fact that I feel like like he's he's trying to force us and push us into a vulnerable position. Um, because the the only other way that he can increase our rent is with the yearly percentage, and that's not moving fast enough, you know. So, honestly, I forgot what you asked me. <laughs> well, well, it's it sounds like it sounds like you're saying that you know he's seeing this as a way to hike your rent, obviously hike your rent in quite a dramatic fashion here. Yeah. So yeah. So if if it wasn't like such a disgusting behavior, honestly, we wouldn't have minded. Yeah, but yeah, it's the brute way he's going about it. Right, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Well, Antoine and Joy, I'm very grateful to both of you for sharing your story today, and I wish you all the best. Congratulations, and uh, I'm look, you know, all the I wish you all the best and all the joy with your new family, and especially when the baby comes along. Thanks a lot for coming on today. Thank you for having us.
Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. All right, welcome back to the show. My next guest is Parksville resident Lonnie Atwood. Lonnie is a cancer patient, and she is courageously fighting her cancer and also bravely speaking out about the delays she experienced waiting for chemotherapy. Lonnie, thank you for coming on today. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. First of all, let me say I'm, very, I'm sorry for the health challenges you're dealing with here now. I wish you full strength and power here in your fight against this this cancer let's go back to when it uh when it began here lonnie because i know you're a very you're a healthy active uh, young person here and and when did this um when did this first problem first begin for you i was originally diagnosed in april of 2022 that's when i was admitted through the er and they found the tumor i uh didn't have any pre-existing what i thought pre-existing conditions i was what i considered relatively healthy and active and um, it all blew up in in a, in a day I had a couple angels watching out for me a couple of students and they looked at me that day and said I wasn't looking well uh, because I didn't have a GP there was no routine blood work perhaps there could have been you know early detection but that wasn't the case uh, wasn't meant to be and I went through the ER and that's when everything was uh, brought to light that I actually have an eight centimeter tumor, adrenal gland tumor. Yeah, boy, boy, I'm very sorry to hear that. And and you know, it's interesting. We we talked on the show yesterday about the shortage of family doctors, and we talked about that precise thing there. Like a, the one of the advantages of of a family doctor is is early detection, right? Did you have a fa- did you ever have a family doctor before before this or no? I did. I was actually yeah. uh, in Campbell River. Uh, I was married into the military, and so we consistently moved, which presented a problem because when I did come back, of course, I couldn't get back into the system. So yeah. uh, that that was a challenge in itself. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm very sorry to hear that. So you get this terrible news, and so let's talk a little bit about the the treatment that that you received. Because when was was it was it surgery? The plan was for surgery, right? Yes, they knew yeah. right away that this was a very, very aggressive uh, tumor, although they weren't able to biopsy because they were afraid that it would kickstart um, a chemical storm. What was already happening in my body, it was dumping seven times the normal human amount of cortisol and adrenaline into my mm-hmm. body, which was ramping me up and making me very, very ill. There was also other um, things that were going on with my health because of the tumor. So they weren't able to 
you know, diagnose what type of cancer it was. They just knew that it was very aggressive. The scan mm. revealed uh, that it was eight centimeters. Um, so far, it, it hadn't had spread to my lymph nodes or my brain. So I was very grateful for that. I was put on an expedited list to have the tumor removed. Uh, Nanaimo wasn't able to take that on, nor was Victoria, but I had a uh, wonderful surgical oncolo oncologist in Vancouver that was able to meet with me within six weeks, and she was pretty confident that we could get it removed. Right, and you had the surgery then, right? At Vancouver General, I understand? I did. Yeah, yeah. And then the plan after that was for for chemotherapy, right? And this is where it starts to get a little bit more troubling. Can you tell me about that, the chemotherapy plan there? Yeah, so when I was admitted originally into Nanaimo General, there was a lot of specialists working on my case because uh, how rare it was. And they were really trying to figure out how to go about it. Um, but it was told to me by several specialists that there was going to be preventative chemo immediately after surgery. And that was the plan. And even after my surgery, my endocrinologist and surgical oncologist, they were both saying that we need to get her you know, on preventative chemo. It's going to be nasty, but it's necessary. And I, I recovered quite well. I was prepared. Right. So you're ready. You got through the surgery and now you're ready for the chemo. And they told you the chemo was required. Did you say immediately? Is that what they recommended? Immediately were the words Immediately. That they used. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. And so what actually happened? Because it did not start immediately, right? What happened? It, it certainly did not. So we, yeah. uh, if you jump forward to September, I had a scan which came back clear. Um, mm. I'm just going to highlight the words again, preventative. Um, because I think that's that's key here. I think, you know, going back, if I would have had a, a say in how my care plan was handled, um, I, again, you know, preventative, let's catch things before they, they explode, basically. Yeah. Right. Regardless of my scan coming back clear. Now, there was a letter sent to me. Um, they did, they had a hard time um, placing, you know, the diagnosis and the pathology of the tumor. Um, but they did know that it was aggressive. They knew that uh, uh, between the time of the diagnosis and my surgery, it had grown just over two centimeters. So mm -hmm. it's not that they weren't ever aware of how aggressive it was. They, they did know. And yeah. being the specialist, you would think that that would trigger them to be a little bit more proactive in life-saving yeah yes and when did you when did you eventually receive the chemo i received chemo in the second week of may so how long how long of a wait was that it was about 10 months after surgery 10 months 10 months 10 so, months okay yeah uh, the worst part was I never did receive that letter telling me of the actual tumor, what it, what they were going to call it. Um, because I didn't have a GP, uh, th that information was not relayed to me. I just so happened to land myself in ER again um, after an adrenal failure from a colonoscopy that was just very unlucky. Um but that's when I found out the news that the cancer had actually spread. 
And then it was even still another three months before I saw an oncologist. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Speaking to Parksville resident Lonnie Atwood, Lonnie is a a courageous cancer patient fighting her cancer, talking about her her long wait for chemo. So the situation now is the cancer has has spread. What, What is the... What kind of treatment are you receiving now? Let, well, let me go back to the to, to the delay. If you had sure. received the chemo immediately after the surgery, do you think what would what would have been the impact of that? I would like to know. I would like to know. Um, I have a lot of um, feelings about that. I, that's where I, I feel that they rolled the dice with my life, and um, that I'm not okay with. Um, I do wonder, had I received that preventative chemo, would it have, would it have had an opportunity to metastasize? Yeah. So those, yeah, and, those are the questions that we'll never know. Yeah. And boy, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear your story. And, um, what sort of treatment are you receiving now? So I did, uh, receive six rounds of IV chemo at Nanaimo, uh, BC Cancer Clinic. Um, I'm currently on mitotain, which is another uh, form of chemo. I'll be on that for the next 18 months. Um, but th- the other treatment I'm doing is working with naturopaths and doing hyperthermia treatment. Mm-hmm. So what would be your, I think you're very courageous in how you're facing this and, sp- and speaking out as well, because you're not alone here. We've heard of other people who have experienced similar weights in the cancer care system in BC. And we hear the premier even speaking out about it. He's not happy about the situation either. What, what is your, um, what is like the message you would like to, to get out to government and to the, into the system? I realize that there's crisis everywhere at every turn. Um, but I do believe that it is your job to handle it and make sure that there is a process. And uh, I know that a lot has to be triage. I understand the pressures that you're under, but I really strongly feel that you need more boots on the ground. Uh, I think that there needs to be better management. And I feel that if you're not, if it's not in your capacity to take this on, then you need to really step aside and let somebody with the energy come in your place and do it because people are dying. Lonnie, I, I wish you all the best here in your continuing battle against uh, your cancer. I, I think you're an extremely courageous person for speaking out and the way you're facing this challenge. And I wish you all the best. I wish you full power uh, in your fight here in a full recovery. Lonnie, thank you very much for coming on to talk about this today. Thank you, Mike. It was nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to the Mike Smith Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop. Tune into the show live from 9 to noon on 980 CKNW. Want to reach out to me personally with a question or comment? Send me an email, mike at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.